2: Mere baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel.
5: Ahmed Rosario lines a base hit to center. One run is in, and now Kwan heading for the plate. He scores, and it's a two run single for Stephen Kwan. A walk, a double, and now a two run single by Ahmed Rosario and the Guardians take a two-nothing lead here in the third. Now the two-one hit up the middle. That's a base hit. Past a diving Horner, another run is in, and the ball gets by Bellinger and rolls out into deep center field. Another run will score, and going to third on the play, Miles Straw. And Cleveland now leads by a score of six
2: to nothing. That one is high deep and it will go. Except if you do that, you can say all over the barrel 107 off the bat. Nothing soft about that home run. Joe off the mound, he can't get it. He's at the bag and we're tied. That was trouble. From Jump Street. Ground ball, backhanded, knocked down by Elvis. Throw to first, late. Here comes a winning run, and the Oakland A's win the game. <laughs> We're going to get a challenge at first, but this is I don't think, think it's going to get to go over to first base and the safe ball at home plate. So, kind of a freebie challenge. On both plays, it will be an error on Elvis. After you, the crawl on the field is confirmed, safe at home and safe at first. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel.
6: Uh, Good morning, baseball people. I laughed out loud at the way my friend Len Casper said, and the Oakland A's are going to get the win, or whatever the phrasing was, just the sound. And the Oakland A's, hmm, how about the way that our friend Pat Hughes said, the ball gets by, Bellinger, goes to the wall, and it is six to nothing. Those are professional broadcasters letting you know how they feel without saying the kind of things that you can say to me. This morning on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. The kind of things that I can say to you into a microphone right now on a 50,000-watt blowtorch and perhaps on your Odyssey app or however you're listening. Welcome in, everyone. It's raining cats and dogs, um, which I can only assume are God's tears at our baseball mediocrity because, boy, are we mediocre or just flat-out bad right now. I'm not going to lie. I could use a hug This is one of those baseball mornings where you're like, oh, man, it's raining. Do we have to play today? The Cubs are getting delayed uh, to 4 o'clock, which means pregame now on the score later on. And the Cubs radio network will be at 3.30. I will be here 9 to noon. It's after 9. It means I'm here. Cubs have lost four out of five. And they uh, find themselves now five games back. Of two different teams in the National League Central, the Reds, who have been very, very good offensively for a while and have a good bullpen, but some big holes in the rotation that they may or may not fill as the deadline approaches. And the Milwaukee Brewers, who are probably the most talented team in the division and don't look now, but Christian Yelich is hitting like a superstar again. So... Cubs are five games back of two different teams. They're back behind the Pirates. And guess what? Guess what? That's the good news. That's the good news. Come on, man. That's the good team in town, dude. It is. The good news is that the Cubs are five games back of two different teams. And Marcus Stroman's uh, ERA has ballooned up to, what, 2.73? Anyway, that's the good news that the bad news is that the White Sox have now lost two in a row to the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's.
2: Oh, you've got
1: to be bleeping
6: me. Oh, Hawk, I feel you. Oakland's won 23 games on the year. Two of them are the last two days against the White Sox. Folks, a run differential is how many runs you've scored and how many runs the opposition has scored. The best team in baseball is it's a tie right now between Texas and Tampa Bay plus 158. Must be nice. Those are good teams. There's a lot of teams with plus double digits, right? Um, Baltimore, the Yankees, Toronto, Boston, Minnesota, Houston, the Angels, Seattle. All those teams are plus double digits, as are the Cubs at plus 26. Arizona, the Dodgers, San Francisco, San Diego, they're all a plus 126, plus double digits. Then there's some teams in the minus, and it's bad to be in the minus. There's two teams with minus 100 plus. Kansas City is minus 139 and run deferential. The Colorado Rockies are minus 137. The Oakland A's are minus 236. They are not a major league team by design. That filthy owner, John Fisher, has devalued them and pretended he couldn't get a stadium deal done when all he was doing was strong-arming his way to Vegas. Not a big league team, but good enough to beat the White Sox the last two days. You know why? Because the White Sox don't play good baseball. Here's a new rule against the White Sox. Anything you hit in the gap in the outfield is a triple. Anything you hit in the gap is automatically a triple. Because their positioning is bad. And because Eloy is running so he doesn't get hurt. um, And because Robert is busy covering the other side. It's just a new rule. Anything in the gap is a triple. Um, Another new rule for the White Sox. Every time Joe Kelly comes in, he will balk. At least once. And there'll be an awkward infield hit where at least somebody is frustrated and not paying attention by the end of the play. Um, Another one. If your best player... And base runner gets on in the ninth inning. He's going to be an out on the bases. Luis Robert at second base yesterday in the ninth inning of a tie game. Breaking for third. But doing so at a moment where the pitcher can just tur- turn around and then Luis Robert stumbles. It's like, what are, what is happening here? I hate it here. Oh, my God. And then... Last, last night after the game, the Oakland A's Twitter account tweeted this. The, quote, L, unquote. That's what they take in Chicago, right? Posting the final score of a 7-6 to win. Because did you see? Did you see the last play? you see, see the last play? It's a ground ball to Elvis Andrews. It's a tough error, but, you know, it does go off his glove as he's diving slash falling to his right. And that split second allows the base runner at second to think about just continuing to go. Andres throws over to first. I think the guy was, was he safe at first with a head first slide? He was safe at first. He was safe. And
2: then they run. And
6: Gavin Sheets was upset that he was safe. So he briefly freezes. And then he turns to make the throw home. The throw is on the first base side. So the runner slides in safely from second. Oh, my goodness. It's just so ugly. So, look, the White Sox might get swept in Oakland. That's why the Cubs are the good news, having lost four out of five. It's too bad um, because last night was setting up to be one of those unique, kind of beautiful, odd, late summer evenings to watch a baseball game. I was uh, at a family birthday party up on the northwest side, And the rain had forced all of us inside, but everybody's having a good time, enjoying themselves. And then the rain clears. And slowly, people start drying off the outside chairs, bringing some of the stuff back outside. And the rain made it cooler and lovely. The air was incredible. So we all go back outside. And then I realize, I look down at my phone, and I see a text from the big boss. Game starting at 9 p.m. Thank you, Mitch Rosen, for the alert. 9 p.m. I thought about going. I thought about right then. I was on the northwest side. Nine o'clock, a beautiful night. All of a sudden, bonus-free late-night baseball. Instead, I went back inside. I'm sitting with family and cousins. There's great food everywhere. Somebody made a homemade cheese flan with condensed milk on the top and the caramel Brown sugar stuff on the bottom. Oh, my goodness. Strawberries on the top. Woo! Woo! Pays to marry into Latinos. Pays to marry into a Latino family, people. Trust me. Um, But so I'm sitting there and I'm getting and it's, it's 9 o'clock, first pitch. It's awesome. Strowman's going. Cleveland's a, another team. It's decent, but trying to figure it out. But I like a lot of their players. And so I'm like, "Here we go, and then it descended, but it was really nice for like the first four innings, even the two nothing deficits like that's all right, it's all right, Cubs can come back, and then everything fell apart there in the six. The ball goes under Bellinger's glove, Pat Hughes' tone tells you all you need to know it's six nothing, and the ball game is toast. but it was so set up for a beautiful baseball night. Just think about you know. Uh, heading home, sitting on the balcony, listening to the radio for the rest of the game, depending on what time we left the party. I know it's personal, but I'm sharing this. But, hey, it's summer. This is baseball. It's the companion sport. And sometimes the rain delay means you have it at odd times. It's like, oh, look at this. Baseball's going to be with me between 9 and 12 tonight. Isn't that fun? It's fun, right? It 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 was setting up for this really cool vibe last night. Um, and then they couldn't get any hits. And then Cleveland did that like pesky thing that they have done the past few years. If they're not doing that much good at bat by Ahmed Rosario just comes right up and he's like, I know what I need to do. Men at second and third. Let me just spank this one right up the gut. It's kind of a Nico Horner style at bat. Nico had done the same thing the day before, right? Men at second. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I like, I like good, smart, aggressive ball players. And this this stretch of losing four to five for the Cubs is a bummer, man. They were playing well heading into London. That first game in London was good, up for nothing. <sighs> Am I the only one that that still thinks about the Trey Mancini play and disaster that didn't let Stroman get out of the second game in London? What happens if you sweep the two in London and you come home with a much better vibe on the airplane and the jet lag feels like? Something that you just have to survive with a smile as opposed to a nuisance coming off an ugly loss. Maybe it's just me. The players haven't bitched about it. But anyway, there's Trey Mancini again. The, I, I don't want him playing another inning of first base for the Cubs, but he has played the last two games in blowouts in the eighth inning. So it's like when you put a, put a struggling reliever out there in garbage time trying to get their uh, their confidence back up. A la Michael Fulmer, yep. yep. Yeah, well, and it worked for Fulmer. It did. Fulmer has now figured it out. Cubs' bullpen has been good. Merryweather, not so much last night. One of those runs charged to him, I didn't look at the official box score because he hadn't given up a run in a long time. It, it, it was interesting. I saw the stat the other night, and we'll take your phone calls, by the way, here on Hit and Run on 670, the score about the Cubs and the White Sox. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. We are broadcasting live from the score's Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And texters get in It's that same number, 312-644-6767. The text Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. Chris Kampka is coming up at 940. The Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago will tie the room together on the early side. Uh, Bill Perch, who is uh, an excellent baseball thinker. And a member of uh, Sabre, the Society for American Baseball Research, will tell us about the Sabre Convention to come and about the latest book from Sabre, a tremendous organization. I'm going to try to head over to that Sabre Convention over there at the Palmer House next weekend, I think it is. I think it's All-Star Week, actually. Uh, I'll have those details for you when Bill comes on at 10. 10. And then at 11 o'clock, my buddy Rob Bradford from WEEI Radio from the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast, the Bradfoe Show. He's doing Red Sox pregame up there in Toronto. He spent last weekend here in Chicago with the White Sox and his co-author, Joe Kelly, of the Baseball Isn't Boring book. And I want to check in with uh, Brad Foe about a good division. He's watching the Red Sox and the Blue Jays play. Uh, This weekend and can also, as I mentioned, share some of that White Sox context from last week. Along the way, your phone calls not merely welcome, but elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. All of that was a parenthetical in the midst of a sentence I started 90 seconds ago. I saw a stat the other day. The stat I saw on the marquee broadcast was the best bullpen ERAs since June 1st. And the Cubs were, I believe, third. And they were behind the two best teams in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Atlanta Braves. I know that the Rangers have a better run differential, but the Braves do everything well. That that stat stopped me cold because I'm like, I don't think of the Braves as having a great bullpen. I think of Spencer Strider and Bryce Elder. And those starters, I think, of course, of Ronald Acuna Jr., the best player not named Shohei Ohtani in the universe. I think of Matt Olson as a great get by them to be the poor man's Freddie Freeman. But, oh, by the way, he has 28 homers. I think of the way they've replaced Dansby Swanson with Orlando Arcia and had him put up just as good numbers, if not better. I think of just how many good young players they have and how well they're run and how they have a proven pedigree of winning. But then I look up the other day and I say, oh, look at that. Their bullpen ERA since June 1st is second only to Tampa. That's because they do everything well. My Braves are the pick to win the World Series. Or said again, the Braves are my pick to win the World Series because they're not my Braves. But I was talking to somebody last night at the aforementioned family party who said, you know the top choice never wins. And top choice right now would be Tampa. They've been playing lights out from the very, very get-go, and they've got the best winning percentage in the game. Actually, no, the Braves are above them. Look at that at 671. Either way, the Braves, winners of seven in a row, nine out of ten, running away with a very good National League East. Are my pick to win the World Series. All right, callers, hang on. We're going to talk to you about the miserable, miserable White Sox losing two in a row in Oakland. Oh, God. And maybe precious clarity coming the way of the White Sox front office as the trade deadline approaches. And we'll talk about the less miserable Cubs. Less miserable than the White Sox. Are the Cubs having lost four out of five, finding themselves five back of two teams in the National League Central. They can put it together. They could make a run, but time is right the hell now because a big Marcus Stroman decision looms. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on 670. The score is Sean Sears here as well. We are here until noon. If you haven't heard, the Cubs are moved to 4 o'clock. Pregame will be right here at 330 On 670, the score.
0: Just be cool. Just be cool. Everyone be cool. The premier baseball show in TuneIn Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
2: The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You
3: bet. Music. You said my word
4: up to 4 lines via virtual prepaid card allowed 15 days qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required card has no cash access and expires in 6 months If your day sounds like We need the report ASAP You deserve Madella if you've persevered through You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste or if you overcame Two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medellin, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crowley Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Chicago, hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Now the 2 1.
5: Hit up the middle. That's a base hit. Pass to diving corner. Another run is in. And the ball gets by Bellinger and rolls out into deep center field. Another run will score. And going to third on the play, Miles Straw. And Cleveland now leads by a score of six
6: to nothing. (laughs) I knew I loved the tone in the Hall of Famer, Pat Hughes. I didn't remember the pause. God, he's the best. He just feels it, you know? He feels it and remains professional. This is Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Um, if anyone doesn't know, I have a podcast called The PBP, Voices of Baseball. Um, and I just talked to play-by-play people. The latest episode is Tom Hamilton from Cleveland, who I just adore as a broadcaster. That episode is out now. The next one next week is Dan Schulman, who did Sunday Night Baseball for a long time, is now back doing the Toronto Blue Jays full-time, moved back home. So he left the national gig for the local gig. Um. And previous episodes about Dave Sims and Marty Brenneman and Jason Bonetti and Joe Buck. Pat Hughes is coming. I think we'll probably release that episode the week that he goes into the Hall of Fame. But anyway, I I love talking about play-by-play, thinking about play-by-play. And please check that out. The PBP, colon, Voices of Baseball, wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway. Great pod, by the way. Thank you, sir. Pod. Thank you, sir. Um, we'll play a little snippet of Tom Hamilton later, talking about the 2016 World Series in a way that I thought was uh, very interesting. So we'll do that later on as well. We'll take your phone calls in a moment. Chris Kempka coming up at 940. But Ken Rosenthal was on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday, and that's a good get. That's a big name. That is a very connected person who is not a, uh, a leak receptacle. Um, easily manipulated by uh, teams uh, the way that some are. And here is Ken Rosenthal talking about the looming Marcus Stroman um, situation and what the Cubs might do. Because, if um, folks, if they're four or five games out of first place and you sell Marcus Stroman, how's that going to go over? So which one of these should we play? Pick one. Sean, which is the best on uh, on the possibility of trading Stroman? I think the uh, hard-to-justify one, I think, nails it there for you. Perfect. Let's do it.
2: That's a problem, right? And certainly because he has already received a qualifying offer, the Cubs cannot even make him a qualifying offer and get a draft pick if they keep him the entire season. So they are going to be entering a starting pitching market that is quite deep. There are a number of really good starting pitchers available, even beyond Otani and Julio Urias. So if they do let him walk away, I would assume they would try to sign a pitcher of comparable quality, if not multiple pitchers. It's, as you mentioned there, Bruce, it's really sticky. and <laughs> It's tough because you're right. It's hard to justify to your fans just letting this guy walk but at the same time, he probably wants to go to free agency, given the state of the market. And if you can't sign him, you can't sign him.
6: Yeah, it's a tricky one. That's for sure. He deserves to go to free agency. He deserves to get paid. It might be that the Cubs are just going to have to ride it out with Stroman and hope to sign him or get nothing for him. It's either that or risk really alienating a fan base and a locker room that thinks you're trying to contend could Be awkward, awkward, awkward. Let's go to the phone lines on hit and run on 670 the score. Bob's in Arlington Heights and Bob is now on
7: the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Matt. I'll be brief because I know you got a lot of calls waiting. Um, last Sunday, if you remember, coming out of London, I kind of piqued your um, anger, not anger, but um, I, I think I gave you the wrong impression, or you got the impression that I was advocating they'd be sellers. And I wasn't that at all. But my point last week, which I think has been confirmed this week, is there are gaping holes in this club mm-hmm. and they need to address those holes quickly if they're gonna do anything. And for example, as I said to Sean, your twenty six one your twenty six run run differential, eighteen of that is this week in the two victories they had. This is a feast or famine offense. And my, you know, I view now that this trip to Milwaukee really will determine whether they're buyers or sellers. Oh boy! You know, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe you know, I'm I'm sure you're gonna, I, you know, I mean, I, You 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 know, you've forgotten more about this than I know. <laughs> but you know, I I, I sat through '69 as a 20 year old, and. <laughs> They've made me old beyond my years, which is already old enough. But.
6: Hey, Bob, thanks for calling. I was going, oh boy, not because I disagreed necessarily. I'm just, I was struggling thinking about one series defining your outlook at the deadline and your season. But I get what you mean. I, I, I understand. I was struggling because when you want to think about it, Overall, And Carter Hawkins just said something like this the other day when talking about waiting to make their decision on um, on trading Stroman or others said um, that you want to wait as long as possible and get as much data as possible. So I know we're at a moment here in the schedule when this 13 games in 13 days is uh, daunting as hell. And the times of the games are weird and this stretch matters a great deal going into the All-Star break. But the break is not the deadline. The break is not the deadline. It's interesting because Hawkins um, and Jed are in an interesting spot. Tom Ricketts pretty much proclaimed the Cubs buyers here on the score. But Carter Hawkins was listening carefully and heard that Tom Ricketts said, you know, if we're playing like this, which a lot of people kind of removed because their Cubs were playing well on their way into London. People removed that from the quote and from the news reporting. Carter Hawkins referenced that again when talking about whether they would indeed feel pressured to be buyers by what Tom Ricketts had said. Just to clarify, I mean, Crane and Tom basically said we're going to be buyers. Is that his operating assumption for you and Jed at this moment? I mean, as long as we're continuing the consistent wins that we are right now, and I think that's kind of what Tom alluded to is, you know, if this stays consistent um, and we continue to win at the rate that we've been winning, like that's where we'll be. And, you know, certainly, you know, we'll be looking to to contend if that continues to happen. And that's our plan to make that happen. So they'll be buyers as long as we continue to win. Losing four out of five, checks Notes, is not continuing to win. So we'll check back on uh, that as it develops. 670, the score is where you are. Is this, is this the birthday, man? Did I hear it's your birthday, Ron? Ron of the South
3: Side. My goodness. When I first started listening to you, I was a very young man. I am not a senior citizen. So that's that. See see Ron, for
6: those who don't know, you go back, you remember me hopping on with Mike North. And doing Baseball is Life is what I called my segment with North, and it's when I was a producer on the afternoon show. We're talking like mid to late 90s. I think late 90s, 97, 98. And that was my first taste of of on-air baseball content here on The Score.
3: I just love what you do with baseball because – I don't consider myself a sports fan. I am a baseball fan. And for to me, and I've been listening to this, to all this stuff for a long time, mm. you're just the best. So I, I'll i get to uh, my comments real quick. Yep. Rick Hahn said, by July 4th, we pretty much know, Cattlewet, what direction we are going. Is there anything else, Speed, that he has to see? You gave the numbers, run different, and... I do not want to hear about how many games out. So how many games out do they really need to be before they accept that this is just a very bad team? Lastly, he said he didn't think it was leadership, lack of leadership. But, but this is what he said. this is your general, He said he doesn't know what's ailing in the team. Mm. You had too many bad players. So th- 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 Rick Haas. What's, 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 what's going to be the next move? This team is dead in the water. It's not going anywhere. Thanks, Steve.
6: Thank you, Ron. Happy birthday, man. You know, um, this, it, White Sox are bad. It's, it's When you watch the game, like if you just watch one game, then you're left with a certain kind of feeling, right? Like here's a text. As a bored Cubs fan dealing with day four of COVID isolation, I watched White Sox A's in its entirety yesterday. Now, this is one of those Sox-hating Cub fans. So enjoyable, says the texture. It more than compensated for that miserable Cubs game. The aggregate baseball IQ of that White Sox team couldn't be lower. Doesn't someone have to be held accountable? If not the staff who aren't coaching the players up, then the front office that identified those players? What am I missing? Now, as I mentioned, that's a Sox-hating Cubs fan. But you watch one game, and you come away with that impression – you're not wrong. I told you, everything in the gap is officially a triple. Um you know, Tim Anderson finally woke up yesterday offensively after uh, after a horrific June. An absolutely horrific June. On base percentage of one twenty three in June. In June. I I saw those numbers. I'm looking for my my liked tweets, but folks, Twitter's broken. I don't know if you know this, but Elon Musk is destroying Twitter very, very slowly or aggressively or I don't know, but I can't find anything. I don't think he even knows how to do it on purpose. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. What he's doing is making people go back to Facebook. What he's doing is making people check out something called Blue Sky. That's what he's doing. I mean, he basically killed sports Twitter yesterday. But anyway, I mean, Tim Anderson's June was unbelievably bad. It was a negative five WRC plus WRC plus um, weighted runs created. Plus the average is a hundred. That's a regular player. Tim Anderson was at a negative five. Trust me. It's just unbelievably bad. And there were also, I think six errors during the course of his month. And Pedro Grafal refuses to do anything with him, but put him at, shortstop, and second in the lineup. But that's another story. It's just overall. So that that's the Texture's read on the White Sox. Ron, the longtime fan who watches every game and has been close and stapled to the franchise, paying close, vital attention since the 90s and before, is just as exasperated. Uh, Rick Hahn will be part of the 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 washing of this thing and i don't know if it just means chris gets getting slotted in as your next gm and kenny stays where he is upstairs and rick has some other job upstairs if he wants to stay with the franchise or i i can't imagine he will be drummed out of the franchise entirely but you know rick rick in terms of the person who put it all together rick will pay the price at the end of the year and a little bit later on we'll hear from ken rosenthal who talked about it yesterday and inside the clubhouse let's uh, make a note to get back to that because it's an interesting thing about whether reinsdorf is going to clean his own house whether he's just gonna rearrange the deck chairs on the titanic god i was so excited to get rearranged the deck chairs right that i said titanic wrong did you hear that I was going to ignore it. No, I can't, because I like to call out when people screw it up. Um, Danny Parkins said, shuffling the deck chairs a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) which is a great image of somebody whose hands are big enough to shuffle um, 52 deck chairs. And then Chuck Swirsky said, shuffling the cards on the deck. Shuffling on the deck. On the chairs, shuffling the deck on the chairs. That's what he said. Shuffling the deck on the chairs, which meant that you're shuffling cards on the chairs as you're playing gin with your wife uh, on two chairs. That's totally possible. As you do. As you do. As I do. So, anyway, we'll get back to that Kenny Rosenthal as we continue to sort all this stuff out. Mark is in South Bend on the score. He's on Hit and Run. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good
7: morning, Steve. Good to check in with you. That thing on the White Sox, I, I don't, other than maybe um, uh, Rick Hahn making a move with G- Giolito, that's the only thing I can think of. I think he's looking at admiring the back end of baseball cards of a Luis Robert, a Jake Berger, an Andrew Vaughn. And, and I think he's not going to make any move or try to tear it down. He's going to go into next year with all those same guys, with maybe the exception of Giolito. Uh, phone calls are going to be coming now that the stock's going up on Vaughn and and uh, Robert and those guys, but he's he's not, he's not going to answer the phone. And him, Jerry, and uh, Kenny you get together next year and say, well, we'll just have to clean up some fundamentals and spring training and take another shot at it.
6: I think so, huh? I think he's not going to trade uh, Cease. He, and I don't even know who he is anymore. That's a problem. I, they won't trade Dylan Cease, nor should they. He was great in June um, and decent enough uh, yesterday. They won't trade Dylan Cease. Um, they won't trade Luis Robert. I, I I don't think they'll trade Andrew Vaughn. Um, and that's where the safety net kind of ends for me. Big omission there, Aloy Jimenez. You get an offer for Aloy Jimenez, you take it. I mean, Aloy's hot right now, and I know you love him, and he is a really consistent power bat when he's healthy, but you can never count on him to be healthy. You can find out-of-town stupid thinking that Eloy's going to put them over the top right now. I I would go ahead and do that with everything else that you have in terms of positional availability. You don't need to hold on to another DH corner outfielder and a, a mediocre corner outfielder at that. Miami Marlins, are you listening? See? I mean, the Marlins are playing great baseball but still find themselves eight games back of the Braves. It's bleak when you've just lost two in a row in Oakland. It's really bleak. And the A's Twitter account is trolling you, and you deserve it. We'll have more time for your phone calls. Top of the hour. I um, want to ask you a philosophical question about great moments as inspired by a guest on the podcast uh, this past week. Uh, Also next hour, we'll talk about Sabre, the Society of American Baseball Research, and Willie Mays. Rob Bradford at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. I'm here until 12. Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat, joins us next with me, Matt Spiegel, here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. On Hit and Run on Sunday mornings, we love to check in and talk to our guy, Chris Kampka. He is uh, the Sultan of Stat over at NBC Sports Chicago, an outstanding baseball researcher and thinker and historian and an overall lovely man who joins us now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Chris. How are you?
1: What's up, Spigs? I am temporarily dry because um, I'm in my car.
6: Oh, well done. Well uh, done.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, so, I mean, how, how could we be? <laughs> Baseball being played. Yeah. Yeah.
6: yeah. How could we be is right. I opened the show with uh, Cubs have lost four out of five. They're five games back in two different teams in a mediocre division, and that's the good news. You know what I mean? Like, that's where we are right now.
1: Look, we're at a point where we just need to, like, say, right? if we're not going to win any divisions, let's just enjoy what we can, right? Yes. Yes. But let's take, take a look at a Luis Robert Jr., you know, and just appreciate what we're seeing.
6: On fire. Luis Robert Jr. has been awesome. Every time you turn on a White Sox game, he's usually homering. Even in that disaster yesterday, he's three for five with a stolen base. In the disaster on Friday night, he homered. Um, he did get picked off yesterday in a very odd and unfortunate moment, but um, but still, the hot streak has been remarkable, Chris.
1: Yeah, so uh, he finished June with 11 homers, and that hadn't happened since Jose Abreu in August of 2020. and. Not surprising in August, where Jose Abreu was on fire, but the thing is, he also stole four bases, and the last White Sox player to have 11 homers at least and at least four stolen bases in a month. Well, he's only the second one to do it. The other guy, Dick Allen, in July of 1972. Wow! And anytime you can bring bring somebody back and and and. and you know, throw throw your coin in the piggy bank of baseball and dump it out, and you end up getting somebody in Dick Allen. <laughs> Man, that's fun.
6: Yeah, it's fun, and it's uh, it's outstanding. That run that Dick Allen had there in the early seventies uh, with the White Sox is one of the more underappreciated offensive batch of seasons in the history of baseball, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, he was he was was a couple points away from a triple crown. Yeah. And, and you know, and he just he, there's a great book on that, um, the Chili Dog MVP book. Uh, I I highly recommend that one. It just pretty much goes over how he more or less saved the franchise in '72 when he came. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there there was talks of the White Sox moving somewhere else, be it Seattle or Oakland or, or St. Petersburg. Yeah, it was later though, Seattle or Oakland. I think around the late '60s, early '70s, or even Milwaukee, um, and. Dick Allen just took the city by storm. He was a megastar. I mean, when he came up to the plate, Nancy Foss used to play Jesus Christ superstar. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's cool. Uh, Dick Allen is just the epitome of cool. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm getting off on the tangent on Dick Allen because he was great. He was the guy that my dad, when I was a little kid, he'd say he always told me Dick Allen stories. I mean. And it was like, how is this guy not Superman? And then when I grow up, I'm like, maybe he was.
6: Yeah, it was pretty, pretty damn close. Pretty damn close. Um, uh, all right, so that that's a White Sox nugget. Is the uh, Luis Robert bringing us back to Dick Allen? You got something for the other side, sir?
1: Well, one thing I've noticed about the Cubs, and you know, you don't hear that much about it, in you know, through eighty ga- eighty-one games, they've allowed the fewest homers in the majors, wow. seventy-nine. And 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 it's mostly because of their big three starters it's Hendricks stroman and steel who have combined to allow 10 home runs in 234 and two-thirds innings. wow and today is baseball and you can keep the ball in the yard you are doing things i mean especially justin Steele, who has allowed three homers in 85 and a third there's been five guys who've had three homers in the game at the plate hmm. so you know it's good to see something good um you know, Justin Steele's really taking it over. He's first in the majors in the R.A., which who would have seen that coming? I mean, you'd see a glimpse of it last year, yeah, last year but uh, it's really nice to see a homegrown Cubs pitching star.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that is the design, by the way. That, that is exactly what they wanted, is real good infield defense, uh, pitchers who don't give up home runs and keep the ball down, and make sure to, uh, to give their infielders a chance to do it. I think Stroman is, is second in ground ball rate in, uh, in all of baseball, and I'll have to check where, where, where Steele is. Um, but if, if weak contact, ground balls, play defense, yes. The problem is in terms of hitting home runs, in terms of hitting home runs, the Cubs uh, very low in that regard. They're not allowing them, but they're not hitting them either they're 19. Yeah, that's true.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, they're their team leader is 14, yeah. which is a little underwhelming through 81 games. They haven't had a season where they've had nobody reach 15 home runs in the first half actual half 81 games, not all-star break. Mm. Uh, first 81 games. They haven't had that happen since Anthony Rizzo was the team leader with 13 in 2013. So it's been 10 years. Um so they yeah, that is one of the concerns with the Cubs. They, where are we going to find that power? Um, that's the big question because the guys they've brought in, you know, Swanson was the big guy that they brought in, but the thing is, he's not, he's not going to be a superpower guy. Um, so who is, and the other guys who had supplied power in the past, well, they're more of deals like, Hey, let's find some lightning in the bottle kind of Renaissance career thing going on like Bellinger. Um, maybe even to a smaller extent, like a Mancini. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we're looking for that next power bat. Christopher Morell has been great in bunches, but he's he seems – um he he's kind of reminds me of, like, Jake Berger on the other side of the town. He hits him in bunches. Very streaky. You know, he'll go on a binge where, where he homers and – like five times in seven games and then then we'll have an over. Yeah. so
6: Morell is a Morell's an interesting thing because he's incredibly fast and a really good runner as well and has a big arm as well and but they can't really figure out exactly where to put him which has been uh part of the problem of his career. Um all right Chris you reminded me of one of my favorite trivia questions so I'm going to throw it at you because we were talking about players with, um, you know, a three- or four-year run like Dick Allen. Maybe you know this one. One player in the 20th century, Chris Kampka, one player in the 20th century had 200 hits, 35 homers, and 100 RBIs for three consecutive years. Just one player. And we may have even discussed it before, because like Dak- Dick Allen was your guy, this guy was my guy.
1: So 200 hits. 35 homers and 100 RBIs in three straight years?
6: Yep, and only one guy in the 20th century did it.
1: One guy in the 20th? Ooh, this is good. Um, kind of sounds like a Todd Helton, but uh, probably not.
6: No. Do you know who's my guy? Who was my guy, Chris? Who
1: was, you? Who was your guy?
6: I had the shirt. My My T-shirt said, Pitchers Pay the Price. When they face Jim Rice,
1: oh yeah, 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 you know what? He was on my mind too. Uh, he was. Um,
6: How about that? Yeah, I mean, so seventy-eight, yeah. seventy-eight to eighty, or seventy-seven to seventy-nine. Jim Rice, two hundred hits, thirty-five homers, a hundred RBIs <clears throat> for three straight years. And, Only guy in the twentieth century to do it.
1: And I think he's that guy who's the last one to lead them. American League in homers and triples in the same season, or something like that.
6: Yeah, he yes. hit he had four hundred and six total bases in nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. Just an yeah. out, outrageous season.
1: Jim Rice is an underappreciated player. Yep, and I think people tend to write him off because he played Fenway, but I think that's unfair. I mean, look, I mean, how like you said, he accomplished something nobody else in the twentieth century did. Yeah, I appreciate Jim Rice. I mean, the stories about him too. You know how he swung a bat and. Uh, Snapped a bat in half on a check swing. Yes. Or um, did he rescue somebody from a he burning did? building? Or, or a not a bur- burning building? Or, or uh, from drowning?
6: A foul ball that hit a kid in the uh, in, in the stands at Fenway. Oh, yeah. And okay, ca- yeah. and caused him to bleed and hemorrhage. And Rice went into the stands, got him, and walked him back into the the clubhouse. And team personnel took care of him and got him to the hospital quickly and saved his life. Absolutely,
1: that's what it was. I love that story. That's so cool. Yeah. that's a Superman. That's <laughs> what, you know, that's what the Superman does. He saves people and yes. he hits home runs. Yes, he wins MVPs. That's great. That's
6: what he does. That's that's why he was my guy. What are you gonna do? Um, all right, Chris. Have a great Sunday. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. All right. It's Chris Kampka, Sultan of Staff from NBC Sports Chicago. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Uh, Bill Perch is going to join us in about 40 minutes to talk about Sabre and talk about Willie Mays a little bit. But when we come back, i got a philosophical baseball question for you uh, regarding, um, regarding great moments and whether it can happen in a loss. We'll talk about it next on The Score.